Thank you, Lord. It's a beautiful chorus, and Lord, let it be true of our lives. Lord, we commit ourselves in these next moments to your Lordship and to the teaching of your Holy Spirit. Prepare our hearts, Lord. Give us rich soil. Let your word take seed in our hearts, and may it bear fruit in our lives. Holy Spirit, come with the spirit of wisdom and revelation. We might grow in our knowledge of God, that we might be built up, challenged. Lord, let, let us not only be hearers of the word and just leave and not do anything else, but Lord, help us to be doers. Help us to hear the word and, and act and respond. Give us grace to do so. The anointing of your spirit in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. If you believe that, would you say amen? Amen. Thank you, worship team. Beautiful job today, everybody. Excellent, excellent, excellent work. Sweetheart, can I give this to you? I'll put this over here. Right. Right next to you. How you doing? You doing all right? All right. So, <laughs> no, no, that would not be good. Uh, uh, we're spending Sundays in October listening to the Apostle Peter. Yay, yeah, I, I know he's not here, but, you know, it'd be nice for you to give him a little bit of a shout. We, we pick on him a lot for, you know, not, you know, falling in the water and, you know, mouthing off and stuff. But we would do well to listen to his words to the church. Don't you agree? So the, his first epistle that we uh, are studying, we're, we're understanding or we've decided to, in the, the, the message of that letter is this, live like you are saved. Live like you are saved. Everybody say it out loud with me. Live like you are saved. We, we talked the first week, we said you are really saved, which is important for you to really believe because if you're going to live like you're saved, you, you've got to believe that you are. And the, the last week, we said that what, what the first thing that looked like was to live holy. And there were some mighty tall expectations that he laid out for us last week, but we came back and said, if you underestimate how saved you are, you're going to underestimate, you know, you're going to, under, you're, you're going to underestimate your ability to live that way. You will always underestimate your, your, how, how saved you live. But what you've got to do is believe deeply how, how really, really saved you are. And Peter's never going to leave that theme. In all of these sections, he's going to rehearse that for us. You're really saved, live that way, or live this way because you're really saved. So let's continue. Uh, this, uh, this week, we're going to look uh, at, at uh, chapter 2 from verse 11 all the way through chapter 3, verse 7. And today, we're going to say, you're saved, live like it, live honorably. Everybody say, live honorably. Live honorably. Oh, boy, this is going to be fun. We don't, we're going to try to get through this in a decent amount of time before you get hungry and leave. But I pray that you don't leave the way that you came. And for some of you, you might leave a little bit irritated with Peter. Not with me. Hope not. But, I'll, but let's blame Peter. And you can, take it up, you can take it up with him at the proverbial pearly gates, as they say. All right? So here we are, verse 11. Beloved, isn't that nice? Peter starts off by telling us that he loves us just before he's going to kick us in the pants. All right. He says, Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lusts which wage war against the soul. Uh, aliens and strangers. Peter keeps this identity in front of them that they are just passing through here, that this world is not their home. It is essential that we remember, no matter how blessed we are or how challenging this world might be, we can be blessed and we should be. We need to be blessed to be a blessing. God had, takes no pleasure in being us being unblessed. Uh, he's a God of blessing. He's a God of abundance. Yeah, it's his idea. Water, he, that was his idea, and there's a lot of it, right? If you catch fish with Jesus, prepare to have your nets break. If, and if you have a wedding... That's get ready because there's a lot more than you're going to be anyway. And it's not the cheap stuff. He's a, he's a great big good God. We believe that. We believe that. But no matter how about he's a great big good God who wants to bless us in this world. But this world is not our home. You are strangers and you are aliens. Lest, you, lest, lest comfort make you comfortable, remember this, you are just passing through. And lest discomfort lead to despair. Remember, you're just passing through. 
Now, you're just passing through, but you don't have to leave this place the way you found it. My mom's in the second service, so I'm going to preach a little better. She shot me down. As such, as those who are really saved, as strangers and aliens, abstain from fleshly lusts. Abstain from, withdraw from, don't participate in carnal desires or worldly wanting. The longings for and affections for of the fool's gold, the the shiny stuff that's phony baloney, the plastic bananas, the stuff that promises to be good but it leaves a bad aftertaste. As a matter of fact, Peter says these things wage war against your soul. Fleshly lust, these indulgences, these things that tempt us to want to, the things that you want to talk like, act like, think like, you're not saved. They may look like a sweet donut hole, but they're poisonous. They go into your soul and they are poison you. And not only that, Peter says they wage war. That, 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 only, that doesn't mean that they're just only destructive, but they actually are, have an agenda to take you over. That's no bueno. Abstain from that. Instead, everybody say instead. So here's the thing. Instead, verse 12, instead, keep your behavior excellent. And I, I, I read that, and I was, thinking, I, was, I, was, I was meditating on it, saying it out loud, and I thought, I kept saying, I could be excellent, stay excellent, all this. And I thought to myself, golly, that, that sounds familiar. I, I, that can't be. And true enough, it comes very close to, um, to the blessing from Bill and Ted. And if you don't know who Bill and Ted is, good for you. But if you do, stay excellent. <laughs> it's all right if you don't. It's all right. Your life is much better having not known. Just keep moving. Okay? <laughs> excellent. Okay. Uh, keep your behavior excellent or honorable among the Gentiles so that in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers, they may, as a result of your good deeds, as they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation. Peter says, Be, keep being excellent or honorable, conduct yourself honorably, live excellently, in, especially as, everybody say especially as, as a testimony to the Gentiles. Now, I know we need to call a quick time out here and say, what do you mean? Hey, Peter, what do you mean Gentiles? Well, uh, traditionally, as a, as a Jewish person, you were either uh, uh, you were a Jew or you were a Gentile. You were a Jew or you weren't. Gentile is the word ethnos. It means nations. For Peter, growing up, ethnos meant everybody who was a non-Jew, everybody outside of the covenant with God. Now, he's still writing. Some scholars say that in Peter's mind, the church has just become the new Israel and everybody. So he has just imported his language. But for us, all we need to understand is this, that when Peter uses the word Gentiles, for us, he means the unchurched or the not yet believer or the not yet Christ confessing, not yet born again person. People who are, who are still outside of Christ, that's who he means. That's why some of your Bibles use the word pagan or whatever else. That's, not, that's fine. They're trying to interpret. What he means is Gentiles, everybody in the nations, everybody outside of, of, uh, of, the, of the church of Jesus Christ. Now, he said, so that, he said, live that way so that if they slander you as evildoers. Remember that particularly the early believers, they were called all kinds of things. They were accused of things. They were treated poorly. And Peter said, if they slander you as evildoers, your deeds will demonstrate otherwise. Your deeds will demonstrate otherwise. It is easy to have a big mouth, but Peter wants us to have a big life. If people are saying things contrary about you or about Christ or the church, don't worry about opening up your mouth. Open up your life and live big. And as a result, Peter says, it will, it, that will result in them giving glory to God at the day of visitation. Now, for Peter, some scholars think that that could actually mean that eventually those people will see those good works and then they will surrender to Christ. God will visit them. Hey, I'm all for that. Doesn't that sound wonderful? God is willing that none should perish, but that all should come to knowledge of Christ. Amen. We want that. 
Peter probably actually means, though, at the day of judgment, that there's going to come a time when you and I will all stand before the Lord and people that at perhaps if they didn't surrender to Christ and they mocked him and they mocked you, someday if you'll live right, you, they'll look back and say, hey, you, even though you, we accused you of stuff, you lived right and they'll glorify God for it. So in other words, friends, live your life right now like you will have wished you would have lived it then. Think about standing before the Lord and looking back and think, boy, I really wish I would have lived such and such a way. I would have wished my deeds would have been honorable and excellent to glorify. Live that way now. Live honorably now for the sake of then. And and here's the deal, uh, especially with Peter's audience, and this is what we're going to see, even in and particularly in Unjust, negative, unfair circumstances live well, live excellently. Isn't that wonderful about the gospel? <laughs> so much, so much no shouting in the room right now. Friends, there is no influence without honor. You are, you're, pa- you're just passing through here. But you, you have, you, you're, you, your life is not your own. God wants to bless you and use you and all those wonderful things that we celebrate. But you have, God has an agenda and you're part of it. He has an agenda to redeem mankind, to, to make the name of Jesus famous, to bring salvation to the planet. And that's, your part, that's his agenda. You get to be part of it. So as such, in order, if we're going to have influence in this world, we can only do it with honor. Without honor, there's no influence. And so what we get to do is be honorable even in uncomfortable situations. Even We get to be honorable even when it's not fair. <laughs> well, I don't think I like that very much. You know, I have a dog. I've mentioned him last week. I, I mention him often because he's so illustrative of things I don't like. So, um, I, we have this, you know, I have certain, like, the, I, we have this, he's a big, we thought we were getting a medium-sized dog, instead we got a brown horse, and, 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 and kind of derpy, and really loving, and he's a sweet dog, actually, wonderful dog, loves kids, loves Charlie, loves Big. anyway, so, loves Leon, loves friends, loves people to come over, whoa, I mean, I, really, we should all be more like Duke, but, uh, um, <laughs> We could have Duke in hospitality. That'd be great. But but here's the thing about Duke is is uh, I, I I don't like him in our bedroom, and I and I do and I get angry when he thinks he can come into the bathroom. I actually tell him, "You pervert, get out of here, get out of." Here. And I tell him, "You don't belong here. You don't belong here. You don't belong here." I want him to stay on us. We got this very nice, comfortable. Um, this is going somewhere. Very nice, comfortable bed in the corner of the living room, family room, whichever room it is, where the TV goes. We put it right there in the corner. It's very comfortable. It's a round thing. And I say to him, bed, you stay there. You do- I have a dog. I like the dog, but I want you to stay there and not get into my business. The gospel is not your pet. The gospel's not your pet. You can't tell the gospel. Now, I like religion. I like to go to church every once in a while. I like to wear Jesus hats and stuff. But you stay on your bed. Don't meddle. Don't come in my room. Don't come in my life. Don't come to work with me. Don't mess with my marriage. Don't tell me how I should live or talk or act or vote or be at work. You stay on your bed. The gospel will not stay. Just like Duke. (laughs) Want to help? The gospel doesn't stay in the corner. It will barge into your life and tell you to live honorably everywhere. So let's let Peter barge into our lives today. Isn't it wonderful when we get to read passages about shout to the Lord and sing him a new song? We can do that all at church, but today he's going to tell us all about how we live when we're not in this building. Everybody say, live honorably. honorably. We're going to see it three ways. He's going to talk about living an excellent life as citizens, as servants, and as spouses. And yes, with each one, he gets more and more up in our business. 
Let's start with the first one. See how much fun we have today. How are we doing on time? Watch. Okay. Verse 13 says, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake. You got to catch that. Say it out loud with me. For the Lord's sake. That is the, that is the fulcrum on all of this. Everything you're going to do is for the Lord's sake. Submit yourself for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether to a king as one in authority or to governors as sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who do right. So he, the word here is submit yourselves for the Lord's sake, not celebrate. He's not requiring that you celebrate every human institution or you sanctify it or you, you, you make it you know, some sort of a holy thing. It, it, these are human institutions. We're not, we're, not, we're not sanctifying them. We're submitting to them. Okay? That's the only disclaimer you're going to get. Because honor show, we, with honor, if we live honorably, it shows respect for these institutions as those that carry out a divine order. Peter says these things are intended to punish evildoers and praise those who do right. This is a reflection of the order of God. God has ordered this in humanity. because so we, 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 we honor these things. We respect these human institutions. And that's what honor does. When, because we're saved, because we live like it, we don't live one way at church and then a different way out there. We don't come to church and live sweet and kind and honorable and put on our best face and then leave here and go act like a bunch of jerks, a bunch of, a bunch of selfish, entitled, spoiled, rotten jerks. I'm trying my best Joel Olstein smile. Is it working? Because I'm really, okay. We honor every human institution for the Lord's sake. Say that with me. For the Lord's sake. Not because any particular institution is, is, is all by itself deserving of it, but for the Lord's sake because we have an assignment here. We're trying to get things done. We're trying to win this world for Jesus, and there is no influence without honor. So I stand for the flag. Yeah, I do, and I, and I, and I stand in court when the judge enters. Even if I don't want him to say what he's about to say. Even if I wish he would have said something else, I still stand. I honor those who serve in the police and the military. I, I, we just do. Because our conduct as citizens expresses our respect for Christ. Verse 15 says, For such is the will of God that by doing right, you may silence the ignorance of foolish men. By living as unto the Lord with honor, Peter says, you will silence foolish people. <laughs> now, you silence them not by yelling louder than them, but by living right. You silence people not by force, but by faithfulness. Be honorable. Verse 16 says, act as free men. But do not use your freedom as a covering for evil, but use it as bond slaves for God. To act, in other words, live, live your life as a person who is not under obligation, but living, but your life is just, uh, but, uh, but, but live with opportunity. As under the Lord, it's an opportunity, not an obligation. The, it's a, it might, it may, I was thinking about how, to, how this works for me. When I think about obligation, that typically limits our motivation and our energy levels. But opportunity removes those limitations significantly. If, 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 uh, if let's see. <laughs> Laura Lee, pick on you. Not pick on you, I'll use her for an example. If Laura Lee hired me to come and clean her house, I wouldn't recommend it. But let's just say she did. <laughs> Actually, Mama trained me good. I'm pretty, pretty good with soap and water. Anyway. Mama used to say, you're never too poor for soap and water. Uh, uh, she grew up not well, not, not having a lot of money, but she would always say you could stay clean. Anyway, so, uh, so, I, so that's why Davenport's obsessively wiped down every counter that we are at. Everywhere, anywhere, any counter, we clean them. And if it's, you know, it's really like an OCD thing. We cannot leave a counter unwiped. But um, whew, even right now, it makes me nervous to think about a, a messy counter. So anyway. It's all true. So, uh, yeah. So, yeah. 
So anyway, so let's say you hired me to come clean your house. And I said, all right, I'm going to come and I'm going to work from 9 until 1. And I'm going to, I'll vacuum, I'll sweep the floors, I'll wipe the counters for sure. But I'm not doing toilets. And I'm leaving. And if you hire me till 1, when am I leaving? Why? Because, no, <laughs> 12.30. Uh, no, I made a union joke last week. It was funny. Anyway, because they, they quit a half hour early. Anyway, um, in other words, if, I, I'm up, if I'm under obligation, I'm only going to do what's expected and what I'm, what I'm paid for and nothing more. That's how you live under obligation. But if Lori and I, I'm going to get right back up here. But if Lori and I think, hey, you know, Laura Lee has a, you know, a bum ankle or something. She was, whatever, helping Paul with the farm and whatever. I don't know. Got <laughs> bit by a gopher. I don't know. Some reason... And, uh, and, uh, and, you know, faith's not going to do anything. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> just, you know, I look, it's my running gag, okay? Um, so Laura and I are going to come over and help clean the house. We're going to come over. We're going to come early. We're going to stay late. We're going to, because we, because we, because we want to. Right? You want, you, all of you do the same thing. You'd be like, and if it, you would do, you would probably would do the stuff that you don't really, you wouldn't even do at home. Right? Because you want to. Because you're, you're doing it out of opportunity. I've joked more times than I should. Uh, and it's, I, it's, I'm a shame puppy. I do more chores at the gym than I do at home. Sorry, babe. If the trash is overflowing at the gym, I stuff it down. I take it out. Why? I don't, I don't feel like I have to. I don't, I don't have to at home either. I should stop talking. But uh, uh, <laughs> this is not working out well for me at all. Yeah, stay to the point, Dab. Opportunity. When you live out of opportunity, you live the, the barriers, the limitations, the begrudgingness is gone. Yeah. Peter says, "Live as free men. Live without that sense of obligation that limits you." He said, "But don't let that freedom, of course, allow you as a to do as a license for evil, or or anything else for that matter." Use your freedom to submit willingly to God as his bondservant. Then verse 17, honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. This is, the most, this is a succinct statement on Christian citizenship. Honor all people. Everybody say all people. As unto the Lord. Not because everyone deserves it by their actions, but because you belong to the Lord. Friends, how you honor others says more about you. And more about the Lord that you say you serve. Love the brotherhood, meaning love the family of God. You should really love the church. You really should. Don't, please, don't, please don't let people talk you into bashing the church, complaining about the church, blaming the church. That, that's not what, how we roll. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. That doesn't mean literally be afraid of him like he's going to hurt you or punish you, but it does mean reverence and loving obedience. Here's the deal, friends. Here's a Mufasa moment. There is a God. You're not God, but you will stand before him. Live that way. Then he says, honor the king, (laughs) the emperor. Do you know who was emperor when he wrote this? That's right, Nero. Everybody's favorite Roman emperor. Honor the king, Peter says. Even Nero? You know what? Peter didn't vote for Nero. He didn't get the opportunity. Nobody got to vote. But Peter didn't wear a shirt that said, hashtag not my emperor. But even toward Nero, Peter expects respect. Not because he may have personally merited that honor, but because of his office, his station, his appointment by God. By God? Yeah, well, yeah. He's there. If Nero messes up or Nero does something ungodly or unrighteous, unjust, Nero will answer to God. You will also answer to God. So your job is to be respectful. Your job is to be honorable. And let God deal with his problems. <laughs> Mrs. Dab can't handle it. She's out of here. I hate that Nero. 
It's okay, babe. I was waiting for somebody to leave. You won't be the last one. We got more to say. So you, you're, really li- you're really saved, so be a citizen like it. Well, the amen corner has left the building. All right, let's, let's get a little bit more personal. Here we go. Live honorable as servants. <laughs> servants, verse 18. Servants, be submissive to your masters with all respect. Ah, nuts. Everybody say all respect. And just for fun, how much respect does that include? <laughs> All of it. Good answer, Faith. You must go to that artsy school. <laughs> Be submissive to your masters with all respect, not only to those who are good and gentle, but also to those who are unreasonable. Ah, once again, the gospel meets us with un- uncomfortable expectations. You know what? You know what? Anybody can be nice to people who are nice to them. No one's going to applaud you for that. Oh, fantastic. How, how excellent. No one's going to think that's honorable. But, pe- but, but when, you are, when you are respectful and honorable to those who mistreat you, now you're living like you're saved. <laughs> okay, let's keep going. Okay. He says servants. Now, here's what we need, just need to do. Just a little bit of exegesis here. Who's he talking to? Who's he talking about? In this context, and, in, and really in almost all of the New Testament literature, your Bibles might even say slaves. They're, they're, the word, actually, the root of this word is, has the word oikos in it. Oikos is home. These are household servants because every letter in the New Testament is actually written, although to churches, churches were made up of households, households that gathered together. Okay, so the Moors, the Aholas, the Salwassers, the Wazellis, they gathered together as households and they met together and then they would receive these letters. So anybody who was a part of the household was an anticipated recipient of the letter. If, you, if, 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 if one of the apostles knew that someone wasn't in a household, you, they, that person's not really addressed. For instance, Nero himself, not addressed in the Bible. Right? But only the people who were gathered. So now these servants, these are, these are household servants. Some of them, all of them live with some sort of obligation to, their, the, to, their, to the master of the house. Some of them were compensated. Some of them were horribly treated. But these were not the, the, the punitively enslaved uh, mine workers, field workers, or those in the Colosseum that were punished by death. These were, these were a little bit different. Now, all that to say that in no, nowhere does the New Testament endorse or, 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 or give, give honor to the institution of slavery. In Rome, however, the Rome, uh, this kind of slavery was, was a part of everyday life. If you were a, a household slave and eventually you were freed, one of the first things that people typically did was go get their own slave afterwards. They would go buy one or whatever. And sometimes, even... If you were a doctor, you were likely actually a household slave. Now, I'm just trying to paint the distinction here because what's important is that you don't read the New Testament and think, oh, Peter's endorsing. No, he's not. He is talking to members of households and telling them how to act honorably. Now, what we do is we recognize that if it's true in an an extreme situation, it's it's more true or just as true in the less extreme. So what he's about to say to those who lived under obligation to serve masters, even though sometimes they might have been compensated, it's going to be just as true. Does anybody ever, does anyone here live under any sort of obligation for compensation? Anybody got a job? That's what we're talking about. You live, you, 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 you live under some sort of obligation for compensation. Ergo, this matters to you. And here's what he says. To those under obligation to others, compensated or not, obey your masters, those over you, with all respect, not only to those who are good and kind, but to those who are unreasonable. Wait, what? What does the Bible say about my jerk of a boss? (laughs) You may not like what it says. The Bible says, be honorable toward them. Be honorable employees, no matter where you work or who you work for. 
Now, Peter is writing primarily to people whose only recourse would have been violence or disruption. And he's saying, no, listen, that's not the way you're going to have influence. He's not affirming. He is not celebrating anybody's mistreatment. He is saying, wherever you are, whatever role you have, be excellent for the sake of the Lord. You're really saved. Serve like it. Verse 19, for this finds favor. Uh, for the sake, if for the sake of conscience toward God, a person bears up under sorrows when suffering unjustly. He's saying if you're suffering unjustly and you bear up underneath it and with patience and you do so with a consciousness toward God, you entrust yourself to God and you still live honorably even though people don't deserve it, God sees that and God will reward that. Verse 20, for what credit is there if when you sin and are harshly treated, you endure it with patience? He's saying, if you're a jerk and you sin and you do what is wrong and someone treats you harshly, don't be like, oh, I'm suffering for Jesus. No, you're not. You're suffering for yourself, you goofball. He's saying there's no reward for that. But if you do what is right, someone say what is right. If you do what is right and you suffer and you patiently endure that, it finds favor with God. God rewards you. Now, in, in case anybody so far is saying, oh, that's not fair. <laughs> Hang on. It's not just about whether life is fair or not. That's not even the leverage. The leverage is what he says next. If you say that's not fair, I don't want, that doesn't seem right. Paul, Peter says, you have been called to this purpose. Since Christ also suffered for you. Leaving you an example for you to follow in his footsteps. Christ is the one who demonstrates enduring unfairness for the sake of God. For the sake of God's kingdom. For the sake of God's agenda. What was that agenda? For Christ, listen to him. Verse 22, he committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth, meaning he didn't do anything wrong. And while being reviled, he did nothing wrong, and yet he was attacked, he was reviled, he was mocked, he was persecuted. He did not revile in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats, but he kept entrusting himself to him who judges rightly. Now, this passage underscores the sinlessness of Christ, but that's not even Peter's intention. Peter's intention is simply to illustrate that Christ suffered unjustly. He did nothing wrong, but he was treated, he was treated unfairly. But he did not get even. He did not retaliate. He entrusted himself to God who judges righteously. Friends, every wrong deed in the universe will either be covered by the blood of Jesus or repaid justly by God at the final judgment. Verse 24, and he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were, con for you were continually straying like sheep, but now you have returned to the shepherd and guardian of your souls. Now, friends, Peter is not directly or intently teaching on the, on the atonement here. There's wonderful truths from the atonement, and we'll come right back to them because they're too good to miss. But, what he is, what he is, but depending on what words you emphasize, you understand what Peter's trying to say. He is saying that Jesus suffered unjustly for the sake of those who deserved to suffer. Listen to how you, he, him, let me just read the passage itself. He himself bore, took up, carried our sins. So who was the sinners? We were. Who paid for it? Him. Is that fair? No. He bore them so that what? So that we could might die to sin and live for righteousness. I'm like you. I've read that 
a whole bunch of times, and it sounds something, I've always heard it something like this. He died so that we might die to sin and live a right. Like we're going to, I got to take up my cross and die too. Well, that's true. That's not what he's saying. He's saying he died so that you might die to sin and live for righteousness. In other words, you got the good end of the deal. He got the bad end. You get the good end. He died and suffered horribly so that you could die to, who wants to live with sin? So you could die to death and sin and corruption and instead live for righteousness. Wow. That, is that fair? No. By his wounds. Who was wounded? So that you would be. So he gets the wounding. You get the healing. Is that fair? No. You were straying like sheep. You intentionally kept wandering, the scripture said. But now you have returned. I actually think the language is you have been returned to the shepherd and guardian of your souls. Therefore, friends, Jesus is our example when facing unfair things. On that note, Peter does affirm some powerful truths about your salvation. Having read that, even though the emphasis is on what Jesus endured for us being unfair, he also reminds us, by the way, you are really saved. Someone wants to say, you are really saved. He himself, all by himself, he bore up and carried every single one of your sins upon himself and took every single sin and nailed it to the cross. My sin, oh the bliss, I bear it no more. Every sin taken off, he carried it all upon himself and left it on the cross. You are really saved. Me and mom are going to enjoy today. The rest of you, maybe you're getting hungry. But I'll tell you what. He also made it possible that we would die to sin, not only take my sin, uh, sins off of me, but my sin away so I can live righteously. By his wounds, his wounds, you have been made whole. Whew. Somebody say you're really saved. Now, having said that, reminded us of all that, Peter returns. Just in case he hasn't meddled enough in our lives, now he's going to meddle even further. He's already, so far today, everybody has had the opportunity to be challenged as citizens or servants. But now, Peter says, live honorable as spouses. He is is not staying on the mat. In the same way, you wives, be submissive to your own husbands. Hear the the sound of feet leaving the room. Stomp, stomp, stomp. (laughs) Be submissive to your own husband so that, listen, everybody say so that. So that that even if any of them are disobedient to the word, they may be won without a word by the behavior of their wives as they observe your chaste and respectful behavior. Now, Peter is writing with, the, with, the, with a, a particular group in mind. Again, he's going to make the argument in the extreme. He's writing to women who perhaps their husbands were not believers. They were disobedient to the word. And for a, at that time, for a wife not to fully embrace her, literally embrace her husband's idols, his household gods, would be inflammatory. The, I mean, the community would have gone aghast. She would have been an anathema and certainly would have had no influence. So Peter says, instead of, you know, tearing down all the idols and throw them in the trash compactor and make, thinking you made some big statement, instead of or, 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 or haranguing or complaining or just preaching all the time at your husband, he said, by your, by your actions, you can win him over. He actually says... Be submissive to your own husbands. Now, friends, that is not a gender statement. That is not making a value statement about different genders. He is making a marriage statement. In Christianity, we observe certain just principles in marriage. It's a powerful dance 
going to listen carefully to how the, the New Testament describes the Christian marriage. He says to these wives, keep honoring, keep treating your husbands with respect, even if they reject Christ, so that you may win them over. Peter says, even if your husband is an unbelieving rascal, treat him with respect as unto the Lord. Because two things, you may win him over and God will be pleased. Then he continues and says, your adornment must not merely be external, braiding the hair, wearing gold jewelry, putting on dresses. Let it be hidden in the, in the person of the heart with the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is precious or priceless in the sight of God. Peter says, your adornment shouldn't just be only on the outside. You should be, you should be as Christian women, be lovely, be beautiful within. And parenthetically, he's not against hairdos or jewelry, <laughs> okay? He's, actually, he's against, he's, he's telling Christian women, just because you're free, don't start dressing like the, like the prostitutes down the street. That's how they did it. Now, not that braided hair are bad or gold is bad, but in those days, they would be, there's certain temple shrines, they would excessively do all of that stuff, and, they would, and for if, if believing women, because they were free, lived like that, that showed disrespect. They actually were acting like they weren't married. So it was Peter saying, don't do that. Now, and he continues, verse 5, For in this way, in the former times, holy women also, who hoped in God, used to adorn themselves, being submissive to their own husbands, just as, listen, just as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. What? And you, you, Peter says, and you have become her children if you do what is right without being frightened by fear. Abraham is, was not always a class act. If you read Abraham, you, go, you do a lot of face palming. But at no time are we here, is Peter saying, that, that Sarah did not treat him like a doorknob when he acted like one. Instead, she... Even called him Lord, which was the equivalent of Sir, meaning she treated him with honor as the head of the household and the head of the Abraham family business. Peter, and Peter says, if you do that, you, you become her, her children. If you do what is right, say do what is right, without being frightened by fear. In other words, Sarah demonstrates a quiet confidence, not fear, not intimidation, but a confidence in God that allowed her to treat her husband with respect, literally, as unto the Lord. And that, that's excellent. That's the biblical prescription. Now, I will say, friends, ladies, that your husband potentially will be as excellent as you determine. You really have something to do with it. I, I, okay, again, I, I tried this first service, and I'm going to try it again. I don't know where this is going to land, but if it, if it lands somewhere, great. I, I, I didn't have a lot of, you know, girlfriends and stuff, but I, I had one kind of longer-term girlfriend for a while, uh, uh, and uh, it wasn't great because um, she didn't, it wasn't a lot of life skills or whatever, not rolling her under the bus, but basically her thing was to kind of belittle me and to mock me. That was kind of the culture. You know, everybody made fun of Tim the Tool Man Taylor. It was uh, the 90s is what you did, right? And uh, so, uh, but there, I, there was not a, a relationship. The relationship really wasn't built on respect. And I usually, I ended up feeling bad and then acting bad. Not like mean, but like, you know, like a dope, like a goof. I, and I literally, friends, I literally became the echo of her sentiment. Now, Mrs. Dapp? Well, this overrealized ego is all her fault. <laughs> it's all trits nuts. That's 100% true. But I'm, I'm not saying, ladies, that it's all on you. But what I am saying is that you should recognize that you really literally can improve your man, but not by criticism, but by honor. He'll become the man you treat him. It's true. Now, I know, you can get mad and try it your own way, and then I'll call you and say, how's that working out for you? Or you can live like you're saved. On that note, verse 7, you husbands, 
Yeah. Yeah, you thought I was going to close, Bob. <laughs> Good word. Let's go. Um, <laughs> you husbands, in the same way, just like Jesus, live with your wives in an understanding way. Live with your wife in an understanding way. Hey, boys, you are not allowed to simply cohabitate. You are not friends with benefits. Understand. Say, I understand. Oh, I know this isn't 318, but you better get ready because here it comes. Listen, understand your wife. I know all that they tell us, all of the jokes. Oh, women have 50,000 words a day and men only have 10,000. So women should just be quiet. No, you should listen. If you don't, men, you don't have much to say, good. You've got two ears. Use them. Understand your wife. Listen to her. Don't don't follow all the jokes that say, oh, yeah, she's just yammering, but I wasn't paying attention. Ha, ha, ha. Oh, really? Yeah, that sounds a lot like Jesus. Is that how you want him to listen to you pray? Oh, Jesus is like, I don't know. They're just down there yammering. I got the football game on. Really? Understand your wife. Everybody say understand. That means intentionally decide to understand and, uh, and, uh, uh, and, and honor her and appreciate her. You, should, you really should know what she's want. I know this is very hard. What she wants before she tells you. I'm not talking about the weird stuff, you know, without, you know, Christmas. Because no one can figure Christmas out. <laughs> or birthdays. None of that. But you should understand your wife. She should feel the safest and the best with you. She should feel the most beautiful and honored with you because you understand her. You're not just shacking up, sharing a place to live. Live with her in an understanding way. Mom's mom's taking notes for JLD to learn some lessons. All right, JLD. Yeah, wait, it gets better. Understand her as, I'm glad the major's not here. I understand her as a weaker, what does it say? As someone weaker since she is a woman. Now, simmer down. (laughs) I know Wilson's over like, bring it. I know. She's like, (laughs) He's like, let's get on the 800 track, Dav. Easy does it. Wilson, just for the sake of illustration, come over here, please. Yeah. Now, you are just this wonderful CrossFit athlete, and we all are justly afraid of you. However, even with your robust athleticism, there is still more testosterone here than here. There is a physiological difference. And by and large, on average, that physiology lends to this physiology being larger or stronger than this physiology. We're not insulting anyone. We're just measuring facts. Everybody okay with that? Thank you, sister. Thank you. Why? Now, you might say, Peter, why would you even bring that up? Like, duh. Well, why would you bring that up? Here's why. Because this is an absolute direct prohibition for any man to ever intimidate his wife because of his stature or his size or his volume or his voice or his power or whatever else. If any man ever intimidates, any Christian man particular, if you live and you intimidate your wife into responding to you, that is not respect. That is evil. That is sin. And you need to repent now and just hope that a lot of these these other boys in this room don't hear about it. (laughs) Then he says this, and thank you, Dad, for saying this at my wedding. Show her honor. Everybody say honor. honor. Show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life. You stand with your wife shoulder to shoulder in front of Jesus. Nobody's got second place. Nonsense. Okay? 
you show her honor as, as someone who is just as chosen and beloved as you in front of the Lord Jesus Christ. Honor her. Everybody say honor her. Honor. Say it again. Honor her. honor her. Show her honor. Ladies, don't talk. Men, say honor her. Honor. That was weak. But you, if this was a football game, you'd be 14 times louder. Say honor her. Honor her. Well, I'll deal with you at 318. <laughs> honor her. Honor her. Be excellent and honor her. Here's verse 5. If you do not honor her, God will not honor your prayers. My daddy said, son, you don't treat her right, there will be static on the line. God's saying, what's that? I can't quite hear you very well. You haven't been honoring your wife. Malachi wrote to the priests, the book of Malachi. And he wrote to the priests and he said, how come you're crying at me, priests? He said, you're crying at me. You're crying at me because you're saying I don't, you've, you've poured all these, all, all these offerings and you're making all these intercessions and you're crying because heaven's not answering your prayers. And he says, you know why? He said, you're dishonoring your wives. Heaven, he's never changed his opinion about this. Malachi and Peter, same, same thing. He tells the men, come back to me when you're nice to your wife. Come back to me when you're nice. Oh, let's have a men's prayer meeting. How about you have men go be nice to your wife meeting, then come to a prayer meeting? You might see revival. I mean, literally, you might, heaven might really like rend the skies and you could have answered prayers. Why aren't our prayers being answered? Well, I wonder how you're treating your wife. The gospel's not staying on the mat. He's messing with you. Friends, Christian marriage couldn't be more serious to God. It's the first and foremost place where we should live with honor and treat others with respect. You are really saved. Be married like it. You are really saved. Live honorably as citizens, as servants, as spouses. Let's stand together as we close today, shall we? Oh, Lord, I'm so glad that the gospel doesn't stay in the corner. I'm so glad, Lord, that you've given us a gospel that barges into every part of our lives and invites us to live an abundant life. It barges into our lives and doesn't allow us to live the status quo. We are to live distinctive and different and honorable lives. And I thank you, Lord, that we can because we are really saved. We are, we are so saved. This gospel is so powerful, so redemptive, so life-transforming that it changes every part of the way we live. So, Lord, we give you thanks today. And I pray, Lord, that all of our hearts again, that our hearts would be tender, would be soft. We receive your word would live challenged and be changed. If you believe that, would you say amen? Amen. Amen. Friends, the Lord bless you, keep you, cause His face to shine upon you. May the anointing of the Holy Spirit enable you to be an expression of Christ to your world. All right, get out of here. Go love somebody. Be nice to somebody on your way out. Make sure you say nice things.